Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Food Show. This is 105.3 FM HD2, WWL. I'm Ron, the gourmet waiter. I'm glad to be here. Marianne and Tom Fitzmorris are unavailable, so I was asked once again to be the guest host, and I'm delighted to be here. I have two people with me today. One of them is, I call him... The man with the magic behind the glass, that's our producer, Doug Christian. How are you doing, Doug? Doing wonderfully well. Great. Thank you. Also in the booth with us is my wingman. I don't know if anyone listened to the show last time that I was the guest host, but his name is Wyatt Vaughn, and Wyatt is a student in broadcast journalism. I call him my wingman. How are you, Wyatt? I'm good. How are you, Ron? Doing very well. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. On the second hour, beginning at 4 o'clock, we have a special guest who's going to be calling in for an hour, and this is someone that I'm sure a lot of you all are very familiar with. His name is Chef Andrea Apuso from Andrea's Restaurant out in Metairie. We're going to go ahead and start the show off just by talking a little bit about a couple of the shows that were prior, now that Tom and uh, Marianne are out of town. Scott Craig was on the show Thursday, and I thought that that was a great show. Scott talks about all kind of different things. I know one of the things that he's involved with right now is a new restaurant that he's helping with, and the name of that restaurant is Bienvenue. Have you all ever heard of Bienvenue? I have not. Okay. It's a family restaurant, and I believe it's in Harahan. And Scott's putting his professional touches on it with a couple of his coworkers, and they're open now. I think they're changing the menu, making some changes to the restaurant, and there's been a lot of buzz about Bienvenue. One of my favorite restaurants is Francesca, which is his Italian deli on Harrison Avenue. And I'm sure everyone's familiar with Katie's Restaurant in Mid-City. Anyway, uh, on Friday, it was Chef Duke LeCicero. Chef Duke has a lot of news. He has a new restaurant that he's opening up. I believe the name of it is Dabs. Anyway, that restaurant should be somewhere, I think it's on North Holland in Fat City, not too far away from Andrea's Restaurant. Then on Monday... Yesterday, we had Allie Reisman as the guest host. I've listened to Allie on the show before. Allie often talks about oysters, and yesterday she was highlighting a new product that she has, which is basically an artificial oyster shell that you could use to cook oysters in without having to go through the dangers of using uh, regular oyster shells, because I know that that can be kind of laborious to get those ready, and I know that there are some dangers uh, when you put those on high heat. Anyway, we're going to go right to uh, Wyatt Vaughn. Wyatt, you are involved in student journalism. If you would, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, well, um, Ron, I'm involved in a program right now. It's called the New Orleans Union Journalism Program. I've been involved in it since the beginning of this school year. So uh, back in August, I joined. Uh, My mom saw an ad on Facebook for it and knew that I kind of want to be a journalist or a broadcaster, something like that someday. And it has been uh, incredible. It has changed my life. I've been to a multitude of great events, the Super Bowl, the College World Series, Saints games, Pelicans games. It's, it's changed my life, and it's been incredible. That's great. 
What's the program like? Well, it's it's very uh, laid back. You know, we go in. Um, we ha- we meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays are more of an editing day to see what we're going to do for the week. And then Thursday, uh, we have podcasts, broadcasts. Anybody who wants to do like a radio show or a podcast can do that. And then we also write articles on Thursdays and then pitch ideas for the next week if we want to cover anything. How could we find out more about this? What's the name of the program? Uh, It's the New Orleans Junior Journalism Program. You can go to jrnola.com, and that is their website. You can find all the articles and podcasts on that website. Wyatt's father is Billy Vaughn, and Billy Vaughn and Becca Vaughn run softball leagues, or ran softball leagues out at City Park. But they also are involved in boys' baseball. Anyway, I've known his parents for a number of years, and I remember Chef John Fols was talking about black iron and cookware, and he was calling it heirloom cookware, meaning it's something that you might want to hand down to your descendants. And when I was thinking about that, and I talked to Billy one day, and Billy was telling me about what, what Wyatt was doing, I was thinking, well, why don't we hand down the, the, the radio trade? So that's, what, that's why I wanted to get Wyatt on the air here and give him a little bit of uh, microphone time. And he did a great job last time, and I'm glad to see that Wyatt's back for more. Wyatt, we talked a little bit about barbecue before the show started. Uh, what's your favorite thing to cook? If I had to say, I, I really like brisket. I, I love a good piece of brisket, and um, yeah, you could put some barbecue sauce on it. I've always loved brisket since I was a kid. Great. We're going to talk a little bit today about how to barbecue, because that's one of my favorite ways to cook. It probably is my favorite way to cook. Now, when we talk about brisket, everyone has to remember up front that brisket is actually chest meat from a cow. And as a result of that, brisket can be kind of lean. So the best way that I like to cook brisket is I'll buy the brisket, I'll wash it off, and I'll leave all of the fat on the brisket. You're going to see a lot of people taking that fat off, but I'm going to use that fat for flavor since what I'm going to do is I'm going to smoke that brisket low and slow for a very long time. The way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to put the brisket in a pan, fat side down, And then I'm going to put probably twice as much salt and pepper as you would think that you would need on that brisket, including the edges. And then I'm going to turn that brisket upside down so that the fat cap is at the top. I'm going to keep it in the pan, and that's what goes in the smoker. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, the reason why I do that is because at some point after a low and slow, probably five, six hours maybe at 200, 225, just low and slow, full of smoke, hopefully a water pan in there too to keep the moisture content high, that fat's going to begin to melt down. And I want some of that flavor in the brisket. Now, every once in a while, what I'm going to do in the meantime while this thing's smoking is I'm going to go ahead and rotate my pan a quarter of a turn. Because a lot of times on smokers, the heat's coming from one side and I want to get good, even heat. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and it sounds delicious. Okay, so every turn or two, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start flipping the brisket fat cap up to fat cap down. So what we're getting is we're getting a real rotation of the brisket as we slowly smoke the brisket along its way. Have you ever heard how you can tell a brisket's ready? No, I haven't. Okay. What happens around 155 degrees with a brisket is the collagen starts to break down. So you're going to see some of that fat melting, and you're also going to, when you look at the meat itself, what you're going to notice is you're going to notice that 
the meat's starting to get a little softer, but at about 155 degrees or so, as that collagen breaks, it uses some of the energy from the heat to do that. So if you're monitoring your temperature with a brisket, you may encounter something called the stall. If you've been using your thermometer on your brisket and you notice that at about 155 degrees, a lot of times, even though you're continuing to cook the brisket, what's happening is, is the stall is taking effect. So the collagen's breaking down, but the meat's not really continuing to go up in temperature. And that's because of that collagen effect. It's known as the stall. So what you do is you just keep cooking, and at some point, that temperature is going to start to rise again. Now, for my perfect brisket, what I like to do is after about 180 degrees, I'm going to take that brisket off, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap that brisket very tightly in three layers of aluminum foil. And then I'm going to take it off the heat. I'm going to put it probably on the stove top with no heat at all, and I'm just going to let it sit there for about two hours. Now, because that's a big piece of meat, what's going to happen is, and it's full of smoke, by the way, is it's actually going to continue to cook, but it's going to steam off in its own natural juices as the heat slowly goes down. So when you come back in about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and you open this thing up, you're going to have a brisket that's around 190 degrees. It has actually gone up about 10 degrees, even though there's no heat anymore. And it's the steam effect. And what that does is that makes the brisket really juicy and really soft, and it's going to be full of smoke. How does that sound? That sounds incredible. (laughs) So then what you do after you've let it rest for a couple of hours is you're going to take that brisket out. You're going to put the fat cap down. You might want to cut it off at this point. But when you serve the brisket, what you're going to do is you're going to cut against the grain. Because if you cut with the grain, what you're going to end up getting is long, stringy pieces. How about some barbecue sauce to go with that? Oh, I love love a good barbecue sauce. I like, uh, yeah, barbecue sauce with brisket. That's one of my favorite dishes, I'd have to say. On a barbecue sauce, would you like a tomato base or do you like a vinegar base? I think I prefer a vinegar base, if I have to be honest. How about you, Doug? Tomato or vinegar? Tomato. Okay. On the tomato, what I would probably do is I would just go ahead and use your favorite uh, tomato sauce, your, your favorite bottled sauce. But what I've come up with for barbecue is I actually use a mop. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to mop this brisket the whole way until it goes into that foil towards the end. And then as the brisket comes out of the foil, I might want to put a little bit of that barbecue sauce and then just take that brisket and just put it back on the uh, pit after I've sliced it up. So we might just want to heat up some of that barbecue sauce onto these uh, brisket slices. What my sauce is, it's very simple. It's going to be the mop is going to be brown sugar, yellow hot dog mustard, and apple cider vinegar. If you use those in equal proportions and you heat that up slowly, that's a great mop that you can literally mop all over your barbecue. One of the reasons why it's so popular is because the man and the mustard and the vinegar are both natural meat tenderizers. So as you're mopping and as you're heating it up and the collagen's going to begin to break down at some point, you're also putting more meat tenderizers into it, which should soften it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds delicious. So then when you go get ready to serve, what we're going to do is we're going to take that mop and we're going to turn that mop into a vinegar-based barbecue sauce. And what we're going to do is we're going to take one more unit of something else. We had brown sugar, yellow hot dog mustard, and apple cider vinegar. So the fourth unit is actually going to be a bottle of your favorite barbecue sauce. If you pour that barbecue sauce into that mop, what you've made is you've made a perfect vinegar-based barbecue sauce. Mm, sounds delicious. And you haven't, uh, you haven't wasted your mop either, which is awesome.
Anyway, we'd like for you to call in. We'd love for you to call in. The number is 504-260-6368, or if you prefer like I do, it's 260-MENU. We can talk call in, and we can talk about anything you'd like. Uh, It's not just barbecue. We can talk about sandwiches. We'd love to know where you've been eating, what you've been eating, what uh, favorite restaurants you have lately. If you do have a restaurant where you had a bad experience, we'd love to hear about that, too. However, we will ask that you don't name the restaurant until we ask, because we may not ask. Anyway, we've got a couple of other things on the barbecue menu to talk about. One of them is going to be how to smoke salmon. Do you all like salmon, Doug? Wyatt? Yeah, I, I enjoy a good piece of salmon. Salmon is uh, a wonderful, wonderful substance. I think that's a yes. Anyway, uh, smoked salmon is something that my family often requests that I bring at holiday events. And one of the reasons why is because I brought it one day and they really liked it. So my contribution meal-wise to a lot of our holidays, Thanksgivings, Christmas, family get-togethers, is usually I smoke salmon. And the way that I smoke the salmon is uh, get your smoker on a low fire, maybe 180, maybe 200, 220, 230 degrees, anywhere around there. Get a low fire. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a fruit wood. I like apple, peach, or I particularly like cherry wood. I'm in a position to where I have access to a lot of cherry wood due to a family home in St. Francisville. So cherry wood's usually my uh, wood of choice. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to make this very simple. We're going to go ahead and take this salmon. I'm going to wash it off, rinse it off, and I'm going to put that salmon as is right on the grill, skin side down. Now, you're going to smoke it for a little while, and what you're going to notice is as the salmon becomes ready, there are going to be dark edges. In other words, the edges of the salmon are going to turn dark in color, and you're going to see the separation of the fish meat itself. It's going to appear flat in the beginning, and then you're going to see these lines that tell you that the salmon's starting to separate. The other thing with salmon that you're going to see due to its high fat content is you're going to notice some pools of fat that puddle at the top because as that salmon starts to cook and it starts to squeeze together just a little bit, it forces that fat up top. So you're going to see these little creamy colored puddles of fat. So when you start to see the lines and when you start to see the dark edges and you see these little puddles of fat, that's when I take it off. Now, normally what I do when I serve this salmon is I don't put anything else on it. I don't put any sour cream. I don't put any chives. All I do is I serve this salmon with crackers, and that's basically it. Yeah, it sounds very, very good. It is good. It's a nice appetizer. It's a great way to start off uh, that and some cheese and some other things. Anyway, we're going to talk more about barbecuing and grilling in just a couple of moments. This is 105.3 FM HD2 WWL. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to The Food Show. This is Ron, the Gourmet Waiter, with our producer, Doug Christian, and our special guest from the New Orleans Junior Broadcast Program, Wyatt Vaughn. How are you feeling, Wyatt? I'm feeling good. The, the, the first 20 minutes or so has already got my mouth watering, so I'm excited for the rest of the show. Oh, is your mouth watering because of the brisket or the show, or both? I think a little bit of both. Okay. What we'll do is we're going to go ahead and talk a little more about grilling items, And we'd love to hear from you. Please call us at 504-260-6368, and we'll be glad to put you on the air. You don't have to talk about barbecue or sandwiches or anything else, just anything food, anything beverage. Tell us where you've been eating. Tell us what you've been cooking. That'd be great to hear from you. Again, the number is 504-260-MENU or 504-260-6368. 
888-253-6368. We're going to go to a uh, top grilling items that I was putting together a little while ago. And these are probably, I'd say these are my 10 most favorite things to put on a grill. Now that uh, summer's here, it's getting hot, people are starting to grill outside. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, start that off. Some of my top grilling items, the first one I've got is hamburgers and hot dogs. How do you feel about those, Wyatt? I do love a good uh, grilled hot dog and hamburger. My dad does it all the time in the summer, and they always come out very good. Do you do a double hamburger? I do like a double hamburger. I like a lot of, a lot of patty meat on my hamburger. You look like a cheese guy with barbecue sauce, grilled onions, and all of the trimmings. Am I right? Absolutely. You got it. <laughs> the nail on the head. That's great. I see we have a caller, so we're going to go ahead and take the call. Come on in, Margaret. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you for calling. Um, I have two questions. First of all, I really enjoyed the show a while back when John Fultz was the guest, and I wondered if there were plans for him to come back. I'd like to hear him again. Yes, the good news is uh, John Fulce was actually the guest on the first show that I guest hosted. So it was great to have somebody on who had a lot of media experience because he talked a lot. He had a lot of media experience, and everybody knows who he is due to his cookbooks, his shows. And he's doing quite a few different things these days uh, overseas. And what he wants to do is he wants to come back on the show and talk about what he's been doing. As you know, John Fulce is a PBS legend, the public broadcast system. He has these cooking shows that have been on the uh, TV for a long time. And what he decided to do was he wanted to take some genealogy records from seven countries that were responsible for the basic conditions of where we are today in New Orleans and Louisiana as far as food. So what Chef Fulce did is he took these genealogy records and he went to these countries and what he was trying to do is he was trying to track down relatives of these people to find out about their history, find out about their relatives, find out about family recipes. And then PBS was doing a show, a series of shows actually on that. So, yes, uh, to answer your question, Chef Fulce will definitely be coming back at some point because he's anxious to report back on his journey. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, good. I'm looking forward to it. And my other question is, uh I'd like to know how to barbecue chicken. I, I never know how long I should leave it on the grill. I want it to be done, but I don't want it to be dry. Okay. What type of chicken, like what piece? Is this a whole chicken, or is this going to be a half chicken, or will this be chicken cut up in pieces? Uh, probably legs and thighs together, so quarter chicken. Okay. What I do is I do something that I call hot side, cold side, and I find this works out very well. If you've ever seen somebody struggling in a barbecue pit to contain the fire, you'll understand why I like this method so much. And uh, when I tell it to you, it's going to be, you're going to see how easy it is. What you want to do basically is you want to set your fire up on one side of the grill and you want to leave the other side of the grill cold. Because what I'm going to do is we're going to go ahead and take this chicken. And I prefer, when I'm using chicken, I I prefer to start out by brining it overnight in salt water. What that does is it Uh cleans the chicken up. And it also softens the chicken up tremendously. Then what you can do is you can put your favorite seasonings on it. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and grease my grill just a little bit on that hot side. And I'm going to do what I call a controlled sear. And what I mean by that is I'm going to put a couple of pieces on the grill and on the hot side. And I know that it's going to begin to flare up. But that's okay because I'm standing right here watching it. And I'm going to go ahead and let it go for probably 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds 
on one side, and then I'm going to flip it over and I'm going to sear the other side. And once we've locked in those natural juices through the searing process, then I'm going to take those chicken pieces and I'm going to move them over to the cool side that doesn't have any fire below the chicken. I'm going to take a couple of pieces of smoking wood and I'm going to throw that on the hot side and then I'm going to go ahead and lower your grill. That way we have a controlled burn, basically, which is a sear. We've locked in the juices, but there's no way that this can, be, that this can burn because now the chicken's being ovened off with a little bit of smoke on the other side of the pit. Does that make sense, Margaret? It certainly does. Okay. And I'm looking forward to trying it. Now, the other, the other thing that I always recommend when people grill is go ahead and get a quality meat thermometer. Uh-huh. And on chicken, I'm going to put it in the center part of the meat, making sure it doesn't touch the bone. And I'm looking for about 155 on chicken, knowing that when I pull it off the grill, it's going to go ahead and continue to heat up or to advance or just a little higher. How does that sound? That sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Ron. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying it. You're welcome, Margaret. Call back and let us know how that works out for you. I will. Thank you for calling the show. That was Margaret, and we were talking barbecue. This is 105.3 FM HD2 WWL. We'd love for you to call in. The number is 504-260-MENU or 504-260-6368. How are you doing, Wyatt? I'm doing good. That last chicken recipe sounded good, but I'm not big on chicken. I like other things in barbecue, but still sounded very good. What would you like instead of chicken? Well, I have to say, I really, I've started to get big into pulled pork. I had some pulled pork the other day a couple weeks ago. It was very good, really. Okay. Are you familiar with what cut that is, the pulled pork? It's often called Boston butt. You've probably heard that term. Yes, I have. Okay. On a pig, the hams are in the back. And the, the Boston butt, although it's called butt, is actually the front shoulder. Hmm. Now, what I do with Boston butt is, again, I like to brine it overnight in salt water. You don't have to do it, but if you do it, you're going to get a softer product. It's going to be tender, and it's going to be moister. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Cajun seasoning, and I'm going to pour that Cajun rub all over, except for the side that has the, the fat, because nothing's getting through that fat. That's like weatherproofing. So I'm going to put my Cajun seasoning all over that Boston butt, and I'm going to put the butt in a slow smoker, again, preferably with a water pan. Your choice of wood may be mesquite, hickory. You could use oak. I like cherry, peach, apple. I like the fruit woods. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and start to smoke this thing off, and we're going to go ahead and smoke a Boston butt for probably six hours. If you're at 200, maybe 225, even up to, let's say, 250, because we don't want to be any higher than that. You're going to smoke this Boston butt for, I'd say, at least four to five hours, and you're going, to, you're going to get some good heat penetration, and we're going to get close to the, the closing temperature. And the way that you can tell when a Boston butt is ready is exactly the same way that you can tell when a brisket's ready is the collagen starts to break down. Now, the way you can tell when a Boston butt's ready and all of that collagen has broken down and this meat's cooked all the way through is there's going to be a flat bone right in the middle of that Boston butt. And when that flat bone is able to be pulled out with no resistance, the Boston butt's ready. Now, I'm also probably looking for an internal temperature on Boston butt of at least 175 degrees Fahrenheit. I like to go to 190 on my Boston butts. And when I go to about 175 or 180, I'm wrapping it in foil again because we've got plenty of moisture, we've got plenty of smoke, 
And in a Boston butt, since that's pig, we've got plenty of fat, too. So it's very tolerable. So I'm going to go ahead and take that Boston butt off the pit that we've been smoking for five or six hours. I'm going to wrap it in foil. Again, it's going to go back on the countertop, and I'm going to wait at least an hour and a half or two hours. So you're going to want to get an early start on this if your friends are coming over later. And we're going to wrap that Boston butt three times using a quality foil, put that on the countertop or on top of the stove, and then we're going to come back in about an hour and a half, two hours, and like magic, the temperature's probably gone up another 10 degrees. And then when we open that thing up, that pork is going to be fall off the bone. Technically, with a Boston butt, you've pulled the bone out, so it should be boneless. Now, what I like to do with a Boston butt is I like to take that vinegar-based barbecue sauce that you love so much, and once I'm going to pull all that uh, Boston butt apart, and I'm going to get that, those big pieces of fat out of the way, I'm going to claw that into, into you know, small pieces. We're going to go ahead and use some forks or use some bear claws, as they're called, and we're going to tear this meat apart. Then I'm going to take some of that Cajun seasoning. I'm going to put a little, sprinkle a little bit of that on the top. And then I'm going to take some of that vinegar-based barbecue sauce, and I'm going to pour that on top of that meat. And then I'm going to go ahead and mix it all up again and just take the pile and just keep turning the pile and get that vinegar-based barbecue sauce and get that Cajun rub all over every piece of that, that Boston butt. How does that sound? That sounds great. But let me ask you this. You've been asking me what my favorite barbecue stuff is. What, what is your favorite thing to barbecue and to eat? I've got a couple of favorites. One of my favorites is going to be ribs. Mm. Now, I will say that ribs take a while to learn how to cook because ribs can be a little tough. And one of the tricks about ribs that I've found is if you brine the ribs in salt water, like the other pieces of meat, they're going to be a lot softer. And with the ribs, what you've got to do is pull that membrane off the bottom. Now, if for some reason that membrane doesn't come off, Go ahead and score it with a knife into small diamond patterns and continue the process. Anyway, we're going to finish that off in just a second. I see we have a caller here. This is Keith on the blue phone. Come on in, Keith. How are you doing? Yeah, were y'all talking about beef ribs or pork ribs? Because I had something about pork ribs to say. We were talking about pork ribs, but we could talk about either. Anyway, what would you like to say? And welcome. Thank you for calling. I want to tell you how I cook my my baby back ribs, and then if you could see... Tell me anything I could do better or different to make them even better. Okay, I've got a real quick question for you. How are they tasting when you cook them the way that you're cooking? Are you liking them? Tremendously. I love them. Okay. I want you to ask me the question, but what I would do, I wouldn't change a thing. I want you to ask me a question, but if you're getting a a great result and it sounds like you're loving it, keep doing what you're doing because there's nothing better than consistency. That is the complete trick to running a restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you've got it the way you want it, make no changes unless well, unless you want to experiment and go off in a different direction and try something new. I could do different things. Uh, awesome. Anyway, so go I'll ahead. Tell, tell, us, tell then, us what you've been doing. Okay. What I do is I take the membrane off the baby backs. Then I have a rib rack. I have a plate that goes on a green egg to stop the direct heat. So it just gets smoke. And then I put the ribs on a rack, stand them up, and then I cook them as low th- heat as I can cook them on without without uh, the fire going out, usually about 200, 190. And then about four hours later, I slather them with sauce and let them cook for about maybe an, an, half an hour and then take them out. And that's, that's it. And I want to see if you had anything. I, you mentioned brining them. 
I, I never brined them before. I didn't know you could do that with ribs. Yeah, the brining, are you familiar with the process? I'm going to do it every year with a turkey. Okay, brine your ribs, except you're not going to need a whole gallon of water and a cup of salt. You're going to need a half a gallon of water and a half a cup mm-hmm. of salt. And I like sea salt mm-hmm. when I brine, although you can use regular. Anyway, brine them overnight. Mm-hmm. Just get the ribs to where they're covered completely in the salt water. Take them out the next day. And what I would probably do is I would do it exactly the way you've been doing it, except the only thing that you're probably going to notice is that they might be a little softer. They might be a little more tender due to the brine. Oh, that would be nice. Okay. Now, another thing that you could do, if you like, do you like a vinegar-based barbecue sauce or a tomato base? Uh, i tell you what I usually do. I usually get a, a bottle of craft barbecue sauce, and I add two onions, four lemons, and some garlic to it and use that. And I blend in the blender and use that. That sounds fantastic. That really does. And... Uh, a couple of other things that you can do. One of the things that I did the other day, and this was a trick that was taught to me by a chef, Chef Ganesh Iyengar from Silk Road Restaurant in Marini, is he told me, why don't I try coconut cream and green curry paste? Mm-hmm. Now, what I do is I take a can of coconut cream, and I'm going to heat that up very slowly, and then I'm going to take about a tablespoon and a half, maybe two tablespoons of that green curry paste, and I'm going to put that in the coconut cream, and I'm going to stir it until it's all blended together. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to spoon that all over those ribs towards the end, right when you put your sauce on. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going, to let, I'm going to put them on that smoker again with that top down, smoke them for a little while later. Don't have to use any wood. We're just, we're just heating. I know the fire's going down at this point. But if you've got, I think you said you've got a green egg. You've got a lot of residual mm-hmm. heat, even though the fire is already out. Right. That's one of the strengths of that pit. So what I'm going to do is, right when I'm getting ready to take them off, because you've, you've coated them, go ahead and give them another coating. Mm-hmm. Good. And good. then what I'll do is I'll pour everything else out of that pan, that uh, coconut cream and that green curry paste mixture, and I'm going to pour mm-hmm. that. I'm going to put that in a, a saucepan, and we're going to go ahead and just use that as our barbecue sauce. It'd be a good way to oh, put a little okay. Thai influence into it if that's something that you like. Mm-hmm. Now, Ooh, another— We'll try it and see. Another, I want to tell you, too, how I tell when my ribs are cooked. They just start to pull away from the bone. Yes. Another way that you can tell uh, when ribs are cooked is take a spatula and put that spatula underneath the ribs, just making sure that the ribs are not stuck to the grill at all. Mm -hmm. And then come back and just take a fork or something and put that fork underneath those ribs right in the middle and try to lift those ribs up. And if the Mm -hmm. ribs don't bow a lot, if they don't bend a lot, that means they still need to oh, go. That's a good idea. Okay? Now, when mm-hmm. you put that fork underneath and you lift that rack of ribs up from the center, when the ribs bow so much that that meat above the fork begins to crack and break, that tells you the ribs are ready. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not so much about bone protrusion that you see on the side of ribs. If you see a lot of bone protrusion, a lot of times what that means is you're drying the ribs out. You're either cooking them too fast or you don't have enough moisture in the environment, which, which is why you'll always hear me talking about a water pan. Yeah, that's something I do and I forgot to tell you. I have an old can, you know, from, from some canned goods that you save the can of, and I fill it up with water and I put that on the pit too while I'm cooking it. That works. I think Tom Fitzmorris uses tuna fish cans. I think I heard him say that a while back, and that's a great idea, too. As long as you're getting some mm-hmm. moisture in there, we want to keep the moisture content high. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that y- y- you don't shrink the meat as much when you have mm-hmm. a high moisture content. And if you keep the moisture content high, 
The fire goes after the moisture that comes from the containers, and it tends to leave the moisture inside the meat alone. And that's Mm -hmm. why you end up with a plumper Boston butt or juicier ribs or juicier chicken. Anyway, that sounds great. Your ribs sound awesome. I love the onion uh, addition and Mm -hmm. and the lemon. And garlic. I love garlic, too, especially when it's been roasted. Mm All righty. Well, thank you so much for your advice. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for calling the show, Keith. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. We're going to go ahead and talk barbecue a little more. This is 105.3 FM HD2, WWL. This is Ron, the gourmet waiter. I'm with the producer, Doug Christian, and we also have Wyatt Vaughn, a special guest of ours from the New Orleans Junior Broadcast Program. How are you doing in the booth, Doug? Excellent. If you had to choose between the ribs and the brisket, what would you choose? I'm a ribs person. Awesome. Do you like them smoked, or would you rather them just baked or in the oven? Uh, I like them on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> I like your answer. Anyway, we've been talking about grilling, and one of the things that I was talking about earlier is my top grilling items. I got to hot hamburgers, hot dogs, and then we had a call. I like to grill corn, and the way I grill corn is just take that corn in the husk, and I'm going to soak that in a bucket full of water for at least an hour. And some of that water is going to seep in. And once that water seeps in, we're golden and good to go. Now what we're going to do is we're going to put that right on top of the fire. And we don't have to worry about it burning too much because we've got that green husk go as a, a protective layer. And we're going, to, we're going to go ahead and give that some heat. On a medium fire, I'm probably rolling those uh, corns around, turning them two or three times in between beers, as some people say. And we're going to go, I'm going to go ahead and get, I'm looking for kind of like some black on that husk. Now, I know with that water that seeped in there, what we're doing is we're actually steaming that corn. So once we get the corn ready, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull that husk back. And then I'm going to take some lemon butter, maybe with some roasted garlic. And I'm going to spoon that all over that corn. And then I'm going to put that husk back up again all over that corn. And we're going to go ahead and put that back on the grill. It sounds delicious. Now, it's funny you said about corn, because I was just going to ask you, we've been talking about the meats. What kind of sides do you like with your uh, barbecue meals? I like beans. I also love a good slaw that's got some vinegar in it. Mm, Yeah, that sounds Mm. very good. Some other things, uh, I like kielbasa, which is a Polish sausage. I grilled some chorizo, which is a Latin sausage, with some friends yesterday. And these are some things that I think would qualify as sides. I like grilled eggplant. Mm. I also like uh, grilled pineapple. And if you don't have pineapple, you could use orange slices in a pinch. Now, I'm going to take these and I'm going to dress those ribs up by putting, like uh, Keith, our caller, did. He had onion all over the top of his ribs with his sauce. I'm going to take this grilled pineapple and this grilled orange slices And I'm going to put these right on top of those ribs, and I'm going to put those ribs right back in that smoker again. I just, and I'm I'm actually going to take the pineapple and the orange, and I'm going to squeeze a little bit of that juice into the ribs. And the pineapple and the orange slices on top, just kind of window dressing more than anything else. I may not eat those orange slices. I'm I'm definitely going to eat that pineapple because, and now that those ribs have that pineapple juice in there, that ought to give you a little tropical feel to them. How does that sound? That sounds fantastic. Awesome. Anyway, uh, there's plenty to talk about about grilling. I like all kind of barbecue pits. If you have any questions about grilling, maybe you're looking for a pit. 
Maybe you've heard about smoking or you've uh, heard about how to brine things and you're just not sure. Maybe you've got a question. This is the perfect time to call. It's 504-260-6368. This is The Food Show. We'd love to hear from you. Now, we talked about hot side, cold side with Margaret when she called in. And the, the basic idea with that is that we just want to control the, the sear. And, and I'm going to do this on a lot of things. I, I do this on hamburgers. I'm just going to sear them on one side. I'm going to sear them on the other side. And then I'm going to push them off to that cool side. And then once I've seared everybody onto the cool side, I'm going to go ahead and throw some chips down. And I'm probably going to put a little sauce on those burgers. And I'm going to put that lid down. And now what we're doing is we're ovening off. We're finishing off those burgers with barbecue sauce, and I'm putting a little bit of smoky chips in there to go ahead and give a little bit of outdoor flavor. Anyway, I call that hot side, cold side. And one of my favorite pits to do this, if you happen to be looking for a pit, or maybe you have one because it's a very popular pit, is the Weber grill. I think the Weber grill is the finest barbecue pit I've ever used. And the reason why I say that is because if you do hot side, cold side on the Weber grill, the, the kettle with the one that looks like a big beach ball, is if you push your fire off to the side, you're going to get oxygen coming in from the bottom and you're going to get heat coming out the top. But since you're on the side, it's going to go round and round that bubble. So what I find when I use a kettle, a Weber kettle grill, is I don't have to turn my meat as often because we're getting heat, good heat from the top and we're getting good heat from the bottom as well. Do you like Webers? Uh, have you ever seen a Weber before? I have, yeah. I think my dad has one back home and he uses it a lot. It's very good. Is it the small one, the medium, or the large one? I'm not sure. I, I think it's the large one. Okay. I say. Anyway, uh, one other thing I like to talk about, because I like to do this a lot, is I call it gourmet barbecue. And let's say we like chicken, or maybe we're trying to dress chicken up a little bit, or maybe we have a piece of uh, pork or a piece of beef that, that you're working with. Let's use chicken in this example. What I like to do is I like to make a chicken-flavored bread stuffing, and I'm going to go ahead and make this stuffing, which is very simple, and I'm going to stuff this inside that chicken breast. You've probably seen these whole stuffed chickens that you can get from these gourmet butcher block type stores. You probably see them in Lafayette, Louisiana area, Scott, Louisiana. I'm sure down here in Homa and Thibodeau they have them. But chicken-flavored bread stuffing is actually very easy. I'm going to get a bowl. I'm going to put some breadcrumb in, some chicken broth. It could be a bouillon cube with some water. I'm going to do a little sautéed onion, some garlic, some celery, and some bell pepper. And then some Cajun seasoning. And all I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and mix this around. And you've got a great stuffing that you can put inside of uh, chicken. You can stuff turkeys with it. Again, it's breadcrumb, chicken broth, which could be bouillon cubes. I'm going sautéed onion, celery, garlic, and bell pepper, and a little Cajun seasoning. It's just a very simple way to make a stuffing, which can really dress up a simple chicken breast or anything else that you're working with. And then if you want to, what I'm doing is I'm going ahead and I'm going to wrap that whole chicken breast in bacon. And then I'm going to sear that off on hot side, cold side, and I'm going to push it over to the cold side, drop some chips down or some wood chunks. I'm going to lower the uh, temperature, and I'm probably coming back in about 15 or 20 minutes, and that chicken breast ought to be ready. And then what I'll do is I'll put some sauce on it, and then I'll lower that uh, grill once again. I'll probably turn it, sauce it on the other side, lower the lid. A couple more minutes, we're ready to go. Yeah, I regret saying I'm not much of a chicken guy earlier because that sounds delectable. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you the cue card to take home. That way, you can go ahead and uh, make the uh, and go ahead and make that. I'm glad that uh, that might dress them up a little bit and make them a little more desirable. Absolutely. 
The other thing we talked about earlier is we talked about a barbecue mop. And the barbecue mop that I use is in, in, in equal proportions. It's three simple ingredients. It's brown sugar, yellow hot dog mustard, and apple cider vinegar. These are very common. Two of these are natural meat tenderizers, which tend to help everything uh, you know, break the meat down a little bit while they're cooking. And then after we finish mopping towards the end, we're going to go ahead and add a little bit of barbecue sauce into that mop. And what that's going to do is that's going to turn that mop into a vinegar-based barbecue sauce. It's just a very, very simple way to reuse the mop and turn that into a vinegar-based barbecue sauce. We also talked about uh, how to smoke ribs. And uh, I'm going to say it again. The, the way that I tell whether ribs are ready, I love to use a water pan when I'm smoking ribs. I like to brine them the night before, but I'm going to make sure that they're ready by taking a spatula or something, and I'm going to claw under those ribs. I just want to make sure that they're not stuck to the grill. And then I'm going to take a fork, and I'm going to put that fork right in the middle and lift up. And if those ribs bow so much that that meat at the top of that fork starts to tear, that's when they're ready. Don't look at the bone protrusion, how much of that bone that has protruded out, because that can be a false indicator. How's that sound, Wyatt? Man, that sounds very good. We talked about ribs earlier. Anyway, that's how you tell when they're ready. On ribs, you, I don't smoke them anything above 250. I like to go 225, maybe 210, even 200. Just low and slow. Let the, let the tool do the work. One of, these, uh, one of my favorite places, you've probably heard them uh, talked about on the air because they've been a sponsor for the show. My favorite place to go for restaurant goods is Care Restaurant Supply. They're over there by City Park, and I love some of the stuff that I've gotten from Care. One of the items that I've gotten from Care that I've been using a whole lot at home is a wok. If you have any uh, questions about a wok or you'd like to tell us how you use yours, call in. It's 504-260-6368. We'd love to hear from you. Wyatt, have you ever seen your parents use a wok at home? I have not, unfortunately. How about you, Doug? Do you have a wok? Uh, I've used a walk in, in the uh, uh, in the past. However, the trouble with the uh, walk that I used is the temperature did not get high enough, so that uh, you could actually do stuff like they do it in Chinese restaurants. Was this on a stovetop? Yes, it was. Okay, Had, do you have access to a crawfish boil setup? No. Okay, because anyone out there listening that does, what you can do is you can take your walk outside and you can put that crawfish boil set up on low. And if you do that, you'll find that you get a tremendous amount of heat, the kind of heat that it sounds like Doug was looking for indoors. The other thing that I do with a walk is I use a walk ring. It's a $5 accessory. You put the walk ring down and then you put the walk on top of the ring. Doug, were you using a ring? Yes. Okay, because the ring should help get the heat up a little bit by controlling it and sending it upwards. Now, if you go into a Chinese restaurant that, uh, that uses the wok for, well, as they do for almost everything, you'll find that the, the, the heat that that wok is on is just tremendous. Yeah, that's a bunch of BTUs. How about, uh, how about you wok? What, I mean, um, what, would you, what would you cook if, uh, if you had a wok? What would I cook? I, I don't know. I mean, I, honestly, there's so many good barbecue dishes out there that I could cook with a wok. But I, I have to say ribs. I, I, the way you described your ribs earlier really has got me hungry now, and I'm really enjoying those ribs. You could braise ribs in a wok, although it would take some time. In other words, what I would do is I would go ahead and get that wok fired up 
and I would take the ribs and I would put the ribs in. You might want to cut the ribs up into uh, individual pieces. And then I'm going to put my uh, favorite rub on them. And then I'm going to get the wok cranked up, put a little bit of oil in there, and I'm going to put them in. And I'm really just going to stand there on high heat. And I'm just going to flip that wok back and forth as you, uh, as you see people doing. And then once I've gotten a little bit of heat on them and I've seared them, then I'm going to go ahead and take some kind of braising liquid, which would probably be maybe some chicken stock or some pork stock or some beef stock. And I'm going to cover the ribs in the wok until they're completely covered. And then I'm going to lower the heat. And about every 15 or 20 minutes, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go ahead and just give that kind of a little stir, just maintaining the liquid levels so that they're completely submerged. And then I think you'll find after a little while, they begin to soften up. You could braise them the rest of the way, or if you wanted to, you could take them out, put them on a pan, maybe finish them off in the oven with some barbecue sauce. Could this be uh, something for using, uh, something to use with short ribs? Definitely, because the short ribs are going to cook faster than the uh, than the pork ribs, as far as my experience. But both both do take a while. The uh, pork ribs are going to have a little more fat content in it. The beef ribs are definitely going to be a little drier, so you have to be careful uh, handling those because it's terribly easy to end up with what I call dry beef ribs. There's also, uh, if you like ribs, there's there are a lot of videos on YouTube. There's also a lot of recipes on nomenu.com for ribs. So if you like ribs, those are two great places that uh, that you might want to look. Anyway, uh, like I was talking about earlier, a, a wok is a fantastic tool. And uh, my wok was $11, so it's not expensive. And the first thing I do with my wok when I got it home is I burned that factory coating off. You just want to take that wok by the handle and go ahead and turn the fire up high and just kind of just intentionally burn the sides of that wok, and then you want to burn the bottom of it too. And then we're going to go ahead and rinse it off. Then I'm going to put some oil in, and I'm going to season that uh, wok all the way around, put the oil in, and just wipe the whole inside of the wok. And then I'm going to go ahead and throw it in an oven for a little while, probably 350, 400 degrees for probably 20, 30 minutes. And what we're doing is we're seasoning the wok in the same manner that you would season black iron. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Sounds okay. delicious. And then every time I use the wok, if you want to keep it nonstick and you want to you want to get it to really turn jet black, which in my opinion is what you want, every time you finish with that wok, go ahead and put a little bit of water in there and go ahead and wipe all that uh, food stuff out, put some more oil on it, and then put it back in and uh, go ahead and let it, uh, you know, go ahead and season it again for another 20, 30 minutes. And if you do that every time you use it, uh, you'll have great results. Doug, do we have a caller? Okay. Anyway, we were talking about walks. Mine was $11 at Care Restaurant Supply, and I'm having a lot of luck with it. I'm cooking all kind of things in the wok. One of my favorite things to cook is my breakfast eggs because my wok is totally nonstick, a little bit of oil in, and I don't have to worry about even using a spatula for the eggs. They just come right out. How about you? Are you a breakfast man? Oh, I love a good breakfast, although... I'm going to throw my mom under the bus here. She didn't make us too much breakfast uh, through my high school years, but I love a good breakfast. Scrambled eggs, that's one of my best things that I can cook. Awesome. I see we have a caller. Come on in, Bob. Okay. Bob, we're going to go ahead and wait till the end of the news. If you don't mind, just hang with us, and we'll get you on the show as soon as we can. 
Anyway, we were talking about a lot of different things. If you'd like to call in, we've got a special guest. His name is Wyatt Vaughn. He's a member of the New Orleans Junior Broadcast Program. So he's also my wingman, and he apparently loves to eat. I do. So uh, if you'd like to call in about anything, we've also got uh, Doug Christian, our producer behind the glass. Give us a call. It's 504-260-MENU or 504-260-6368. We're going to talk about a lot more in the second hour, and we should have a special guest calling in. This should be Chef Andrea Apuso from Andrea's Restaurant. We're very much looking forward to spending time with him. So we'll go ahead and uh, look for Chef Andrea in just a couple of moments. This is 105.3 FM HD2 WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 